Welcome to the audio podcast for Saturday Night Life. SNL is a ministry of Northridge Church, and our hope is that this will be a tool that blesses and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you want to learn more about Northridge Church or SNL, you can visit us at nrchurch.ca or join us for Saturday Night Life at 7 p.m. on Saturday evenings. Until we meet, be blessed and enjoy the word for this evening. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you've got a short memory for our sin once it's forgiven. That it's gone. It's dealt with. The price has been paid. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat if you haven't already. Um, I'm going to actually, before I get going in the Word today, I want to kind of break down what we just sung. I want to I put into context. I think I'm ringing somewhere. Um, if you could turn mine down just a little bit, Ian, because I sound like I'm going to break glass or something. Um, Actually, tomorrow morning is a little bit of a, uh, a cheater, a little bit of a hint of what we're going to be teaching tomorrow morning. We're going to be talking about the end of David's life, but we're going to read a section of scripture that was actually written right still in the mix uh, of when he was kind of at the height of who he was. And one of the things, one of the, the, the phrases that he uses is he talks about having clean hands, and, he, and he's talking from a spiritual perspective how he has clean hands. And the funny part of it is, this is the same guy who sent his people off to war. He stayed home like a lazy butt, looked out, saw a lady that he wanted to take as his wife, even though he was somebody else's wife, got her pregnant, then tried to get her husband killed in different ways or tried to make it look like he was the father. In the end, he just sent him to war, got him killed too. He did all these awful things, and yet he can say that he's got these clean hands. And you know what? It's hard to read in a a sense. Because we know the story. He's done something that's so awful. And yet he says with confidence that his hands are clean. And the reason he can say that is not because he has washed them really well. It's not because he's gone through some kind of purification process. It's because God has made him clean. God has done what we just sang. He took his sin and he threw it as far as the east is from the west. And if you're not geographically inclined, uh, east of this way. So if you measure where east is, you keep going that way and you keep going that way and you're always going east. You haven't never arrived at east. You just keep going. And in the same way, west is this way. and You just keep going forever and ever. So when we talk about the distance that our sin has been thrown away, it's eternity. It's gone. Your hands have been made clean. And so when we hear people celebrating, there's good reason to celebrate when we're made clean. God has given, given us good reason to rejoice, to just be out of our minds excited for the forgiveness that we can't deserve. We can't earn. There's no formula that we can kind of follow to be clean. It's only because God has made us clean that we're clean. And that's what we celebrate when we sing a song like that. So thank you, worship team. Uh, We appreciate you. We always appreciate you leading us into worship and into this time. Uh, You've set the table nicely. And now we're just going to keep on going. Um, But I do have one other thing that I want to do before we start getting into the Word. I believe, and this is based on something that happened last Sunday, um, we've started to, I, I'm a little sad that the front row is empty right now. Don't take it personally. I'm a little offended. I don't know if it's my breath. I brought gum. Thanks, Tyler. 
I, I brought gum for after, but we're going we're gonna to make this space a bit of a hangout and a prayer space. This, we want to kind of claim this space uh, after each service. Tried to start it last week. Uh, I'm just going to hang out up here. Um, if, if other leaders aren't busy doing the other stuff as far as uh, dealing with tables and stuff like that, I'd encourage them to hang out here as well. And we'll pray with you. Uh, we'll listen to your stories. We'll be with you. We're excited to get to know you a little bit better. One of the stories I heard last Sunday, and I'm not going to use his name. He might be watching. He might be connecting online. But he told me a story that really gripped me. Um, basically, the long and the short of the story is he shouldn't be here today. Uh, he's been revived twice. He, sh he should have been left for dead two different times in his life. He shouldn't be here today. And, and that's one thing it's, that's fantastic. We have, we have medicine and we have uh, a father who, who chooses our time for us. And it wasn't his time. But he had a question. It's an important question. It's like, why? Why am I still here? Why, why am I not done with? And I said, that's a fun question to try and figure out the answer to. Am I right? To, to be asking God, okay, what does he have for you? And so I feel like there might be more stories out there. And I know lots of you have stories, and some of you are braver than others. But I want to encourage you, if you've got a story where it doesn't make sense that you are still here today, where really the enemy should have won in your life a long time ago, you should be dead. You shouldn't be here. And yet for some reason, and we know the reason, you are here. If you've got a story like that to tell, I think we need to take some time and give glory to the Father and hear those stories. So is somebody going to be brave enough to come up and tell their story? Yeah, come on, Yulia. Well, uh, we'll get, we're, we're not going to run out of time. So we'll start. This is, this is my friend Yulia, and so she'll tell us her story. Yeah, I usually don't like coming up here. And, well, I never come up and talk, but it, it's so crazy because I've literally been thinking about it for, like, last few days because um, it happened to me, like, four months ago. Five months ago, like, I mean, I had a really crazy life, so, I mean, I should be dead a long time ago, but those were, like, really just, you know, you don't really think about those things, but this one was really super, I actually went to church, and then I went to places I should have gone, I came here, and then Saturday, I went to places I should have not gone, and it was, like, winter time, and um, I was leaving about 2.30 in the morning, and my car, and I was not drink. I'm sober, like I was sober seven, seven years before. After that, I had a relapse, so I'm three months sober now. But anyway, I swerved my car into a ditch, like I, th I rolled three times, and I went under, and I submerged into water, like fully submerged under, and it was like, like the water was really thick, and I, I like made peace. I was already like, you know, upside down, and I was like, it was really like, really dark, sad feeling, because before that was like, you know, I had a good job, things I was like flying high on my own self and then I'm face down in a ditch and I was like first I thought like, anyway I don't want to get into the story but anyway I was like okay that's how I'm gonna meet my maker and I made peace with it and I was like that's a shitty way like face down in a ditch and like you know water's coming up and I'm kicking but it's too late like it's too thick and um, here I am in this ditch and um, it was really like dark feeling. I was like, ooh, like not sadness. And, uh, but I made peace with it. I was like, okay. And then um, all of a sudden I hear like, tick, 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 and I, like, you know, I swam through the thing because the car was upside down. And um, 
I see like a figure and a break in the glass, and I'm like, oh, like my hand up, like you know, like in the movies, right? And I was like, okay, the glass is gonna go in my face, but I was like, I don't care at the moment. And they broke the glass, pulled me out, and you know, whatever, right? And the first thing I did to like, you know, I was like, check myself out in a mirror, post-death experience. I'm like, oh, I'm covered in dirt, but like I still look good. Anyway, but and so, but the crazy thing about that, the person who pulled me out, and it was really non-Christian environment, he told me he heard his angels to tell him to go outside because was far away from everything. He said like he heard his angels to go outside and he saw like the lights in there. And then I heard about, you know, the, the, like was an MMA fighter that died in that ditch. It was really deep. And he's like, yeah, I heard my angels to, um, you know, to go outside and I saw you. And he turned out to be Christian because he saw like a cross or whatever. We start talking about Jesus and he like saw the tattoos. And he like, out of all people, he was not even like, you would never think that he's a Christian. And he turned out to be Christian. And he's like, yeah, that actually enforced my faith to, um, you know, believe in God more because I pulled you out and I had this experience with you. So it enforced his faith. But for me, I got mad at God because I already had, you know, all this other um, near-death experience and I was like not happy with myself and all this stuff. And that's why I relapsed because I was like, why did you put, like, why? I was okay with it. Like, I was okay with dying. Like, why did you keep me here? And, you know, like, I'm back to, like, you know, like, I came to church today and I started going back. And that's interesting that other people are questioning, too, like, why are you giving me this other chance? And I can't even find myself to connect with God again. It's like, you know, I don't feel a purpose. Like, I'm like, why are you keeping me around? Like, what's the point? Like, you know, I should have been gone a long time ago with my addiction. And then, you know, and then this thing, like, why are you still keeping me here? Like, I don't have a purpose. I don't want to help others. I don't want to do it. Like, I know I should. But it's really hard for me, so I'm like coming to the place of like, okay, that you know, if he still does that for me, all I gotta do is like love him and keep finding whatever the purpose that is for me. But anyway, it's just a pretty crazy story to get saved like that just super recently. Yeah, thanks for sharing. I hadn't heard that story. Um, and and again, I love that that question. So like, so what's God God got for you? Like it, that could that would have made sense. That would have been the end. So what does have God have for you to do? And uh, it's going to be fun watching and finding out. That's good. I can't tell who that is back there. Come on up. I don't even know if we've met. No. Oh, there you go. My first time. All right. Who are you? <laughs> who are you? Where am I? <laughs> My name is Jeanette. Jeanette. All right. Okay. I'm actually really shy, but I'm going to give it a shot. So I've always believed in God. I'm 55 years old. And I believed in God because of my grandmother, like when I was like 10 or something. And then I had an experience like, oh, okay, do I have to repeat that? <laughs> um, so I've always believed in God because my grandmother believed in it and she used to talk about it. And I'm 55 years old. I've never had a relationship with God until later on in life. When I was 16, I was driving down the old Coquihalla. Anyway, almost went off a cliff and just just came to when I was just ready to go over it. That was one experience. I didn't think of God then. Um, and then I was always like in juvie, like uh, in a youth detention center as a teen. I was like the worst teen girl in Vancouver. And so bad that the judge assigned me to like, 
he made an order that I don't appear in front of any other judge. So I started noticing like there was good people like put in my path. And so the last crime I did when I was like a teenager, um, we robbed this lady and she almost died because she broke her hip. But I've always been a compassionate person um, and not greedy, greedy or and lots of love for people. So, and she was Asian and she was screaming and, and, and screaming in Chinese. And I was scared because I didn't know how bad she was hurt. But my other two friends, they booked it. And so I stayed and of course I went to jail or juvie. And so it was a rookie probation officer who wanted to sentence me. I think I was, yeah, I was 16. She wanted to sentence me two years raised me to adult. I went for a tour to Ocala. And the judge that took me under his wing, Judge Campbell, he was the youngest judge in, across Canada at the time. And he made an order and he was actually pretty mad. He kind of gave shit to like the probation officer. He said, do you think that it's gonna help by throwing away the key if this child is not already institutionalized? And then he just gave his order and he said, nine months, no orders, she can live wherever she wants. And all the bad crime that I was committing at that time stopped. But the biggest failure is probation or um, curfew. <laughs> so I have no idea why they, they have that. So, and so then, and then, you know, later on I became an addict, alcoholic. And in 2018, I, um, I think I was up to six years clean and I went on a suicide mission because something, something went sideways and I went on this mission. I've never, my choice of drug was crack. I've never done needles or heroin down, weed, pills. It was just crack. And so I thought, well, everybody's dying of fentanyl, so that's the way I'm going to go. And so I didn't even know how to do a needle, so I watched YouTube. <laughs> and so anyway, I tried, like, I think, three times and the second time it didn't work. I filled the needle, didn't work, I lived. Second time, I asked somebody how to make it more potent, I lived and the third time I lived and I thought, and I remember being in my van because I was homeless and living in my van and I was just so depressed because I was gonna do it again and then the dope was crappy and then so I didn't know what to do. I was like really frustrated and and really, really super depressed, like, and I didn't tell anybody I was gonna do this, so I really meant to do it, and, and then I just screamed, like, cried out, like, really loud to God, <laughs> and just said, help, like, really loud, and it was just the first time I've ever, ever felt, I don't know if you call it a presence, but it was the first time I felt like he was there with me, and because everything just, like, lifted from me and I was just light and I and all I wasn't depressed and all of a sudden I was just tired and I just laid down and I went to sleep and that's the first experience I've had and um, I felt I, he was there with me and so that's pretty much like after that when I made up my mind that I'm gonna live and and I always did believe in God and and I think I started a relationship before with God before
before 2018 when I got clean in 2012. And so, you know, um, I looked up my name. My name, Jeanette, actually means God's gracious gift. And, and I just got really interested in, you know, like, um, I don't study the Bible. I don't come to church. Um, my cousin invited me. My beautiful cousin. But, um, and I'm God's soldier, and I believe that. And I am here for a reason, you know, to help others because... I'm in college now, uh, three and a half years, studying chemical prediction. Thank you. <laughs> to, uh, it's for to become a counselor, but I don't want to be a counselor. Like I'm, I want to go my fourth year because I want to be boss and make changes. <laughs> yeah, I want to make changes for indigenous people, right? Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, yes, I believe in God. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. Thanks for sharing. Okay, there might be more stories, but I'm actually going to put them on hold because that is just too perfect a segue into where we want to go here. Um, I, I want to point out and draw out of that story too. Man, can you imagine if where we're at today, if we were just like, oh, I guess this is the end of my story. And, and we let it be the end of our story instead of seeing what God does have. Can you imagine as a teen and juvie, if you, if, if, you, if you gave up completely and you, if God was done with you. Uh, but no, there's more of the story to be told, more of the story to be written. And uh, praise the Lord, good things are happening. I, I'm probably going to come back and use you as an example a couple times in the teaching today. Um, so let's get into it. So we're in John 4. And just to give you a little bit of context, um, what's happened just before this? Remember last week Steve was teaching on the Samaritan woman at the well. And uh, he talked about how there was this tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. They, there was like this racial tension between them. In fact, it was so strong that as, as Jesus and his people, his disciples, the people that he was closest with, as they were traveling from the north down into the south, normally they would go way out of their way to avoid the Samaritans, but he went right through the heart of Samaria, and he found that woman at the well, and he ministered to her. He talked to her. He changed her life, right? Well, now Jesus is returning again with his disciples back to the area of Galilee, and specifically in the area called Cana. And if you recognize the name Cana, if you've been with us for a couple of weeks, you'll recognize that's the place where they were at the wedding and remember, they ran out of wine, and, and Jesus' mother Mary said, Hey, Jesus, we need you to do something here. And Jesus like, it's, it's, not, it's not my time to start doing the miracle stuff yet. And she says, just do it. And so he obeyed his mom, turned the water to wine, and this became this uh, miraculous moment that kind of defined him. And so it's interesting, there's actually two different responses when Jesus enters back into the area of Galilee. Let's read, actually I'm going to read the whole story, Ian, and then we'll go back to the beginning here, all right? So let's read this together. After two days, after the two days, he departed for Galilee. He went back north to Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to, the, to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. For they, for they too had gone to the, uh, to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. 
When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see the signs, see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child, before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. So you can go back up to the, that first slide, Ian. A couple of things we see. We see uh, two different responses to Jesus. And one of them is hard to kind of imagine. But you've got to understand, Jesus is around 30 years old when this happens. Okay, when, when this part of his life is happening. He's around 30 years old. So he's lived for 30 years and it's not fully undocumented, but there's not a lot about his life in those 30 years. But he's grown up next to the Flanderses and the Smiths. And so he's, he's like a kid growing up in an area. And people know him. They know about that march when he fell off his bike and skinned his knee. Uh, they know the time when he caught... Uh, the biggest fish in the village and, and posed by his fish. They, they've got all these memories, these inane kind of just daily life memories of this Jesus. He's familiar. And so there's, there's one side of things where he's like, okay, yeah, this is Jesus. We know him. He's not, he's not that special. But then there's the other side where people are starting to recognize Jesus. Wait a second, he's the guy that did that miraculous thing. He turned the water into wine. Do you remember, do you remember this guy? And there's this little bit of a buzz around Jesus. In fact, that buzz must have spread out because this man, and he's described, if we go to the next slide, um, he's described um, as an official. He's probably noble. He's probably um, royal. He's somebody kind of special when you look at the hierarchy of people. And he has heard about this Jesus coming back to Cana. And not only has he heard, but he makes a connection. Listen, my kid is sick, like terminally sick. If this guy can do the miraculous, I'm going to go see him. And so there's two different responses to Jesus. On one side, it's just like, okay, that's Jesus. That's next door neighbor Jesus. On the other side, there's this, oh, this is the guy who can do well, not magic, but like he could do these miraculous special things. And there's probably this misunderstanding of who he is. And so this official, he comes to Jesus. And he says, uh, well, he, he tells him, my kid is sick. Like on the verge of death sick. And he's kind of just in front of Jesus. And Jesus' response is so unusual. I've tried to bold it. You can barely tell here. It says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. This isn't a compliment. He's not complimenting this official. And he's not saying it just to the official. He's saying it 
to the people that are gathering. Jesus is now, everywhere he goes, he's got his disciples that are hanging on his every word. They're learning from him. They're watching him. They're watching his reactions and responses. But now there's crowds, and they're watching. And he says this to the official, but it's this kind of bigger than that statement. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. It's almost an accusation that they need proof that he is who he, say he, who he says he is, that he is the Son of God. They need to see the signs and wonders in order to believe. And it's almost accusatory because what he wants is something so much better than just being a sideshow who does tricks, than just being a sideshow who, who turns the water into wine. Even somebody who heals the sick. Even somebody who, who speaks to others and, and has them come and save you from ditches. Or who speaks through judges who ha and, and has them have mercy on you. He's more than that. But he kind of accuses me, he says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. But then the official doesn't back down. He doesn't kind of cower and go away. He says to Jesus, sir, come down before my child dies. He's saying, I believe that if you say the word, my child will live. If you come and pray over my child, I believe that he will live. And Jesus recognizes it in him. And he says to him, go, your son will live. Jesus didn't even need to go and say a, a special prayer over him. He did not need to lay hands on him. He just needed to say the words because he is Lord over everything. He is Lord over the health of that child. And he can just say the word, your son will live. And he is confident that he will. And we see that the official was confident as well. He turns out of there and starts to go home. And then partway home, he runs into somebody and they say, good news, your son's doing better. Your son's not going to die. And an interesting follow-up to the story, the official says, well, what time did you start to see that he started to get better? I think it says here around the seventh hour. Uh, is that what the next slide I think it is? Yeah, yeah, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And he knew at that point, that was the moment that Jesus said the words, go, your son's going to be well, he's going to be fine. And he makes this miraculous connection that Jesus has healed his son. Now, do you believe that Jesus heals today? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I do as well. But you know what? Sometimes our faith can be so fragile, almost like a roller coaster. Like somebody's healed, woohoo! I don't know if you're at the top of the roller coaster or at the bottom. What's the fun part? The top, I hate roller coasters, so I don't really know. <laughs> I think the top, I wet my pants, and the bottom, I want to throw up. So I don't know which one's better. But uh, you go through this roller coaster emotions where he heals. Uh, I, I've seen the miraculous, I've seen the dead raised to life in my life. And that's my testimony even today. It's something that sticks with me. But that was this high moment in my life where, oh my goodness, this God that I love is real and he's powerful and he's Lord even over death. I have these highs and then they have these moments. You know what? I'll be honest with you. I told my wife before I was going to bed last night, I was just mad at everybody last night. And it was, uh, and, and I'm glad you giggled because it was stupid. It was, it was stupid. But there was something in me, and it, 
and I, I'm, good, I'm a good sleeper. I'm not good at a lot of things, but I sleep well. And I slept terribly last night because I was just mad. I, like, I'm gonna, I didn't even confess this to my wife. I was thinking, huh, if I went to somebody's house, this person's house, and I stuck a knife in their tire and I popped their tires, that'd be kind of a way where I could make their life miserable and nobody would know. And, uh, yeah, that's where I was at. I'm just being honest with you. I was mad last. I didn't do it. So if your tires are popped, it wasn't me. Okay. Um, but I was, I, was, I was at a low spot. I was at a, at, a, at a low spot. And you know what? Sometimes our faith can be fragile like that. And it's almost we become addicted to the highs of the miraculous. We need the signs and wonders. And if we don't get the signs and wonders... We fall out of wonder and amazement at who God is. And I love something you said, Jeanette, right? Yeah. Jeanette. Um, and this is something I, I want for all of us. I want more for all of us. And just so you know, Alice and I were just talking this week, uh, and actually Jess has had this idea, actually Carolee had this idea too, this idea where we need to do a better job of giving you tools because I know sometimes the women at uh, Hannah House, they're, they're 30 days and, and, and they're, they're not here anymore. I know some guys at the, the house, they get their 90 days and, and they're gone and we don't get to see you anymore. We've got to do a better job of getting tools and resources in your hand so that what we do here on March 24th, is it, isn't the end of our journey together. That we can either connect you in the cities that you're going to live in with with people and communities that can support you and build into your life. We, we've got to do a better job of that. So that's something that's working in the background. But I'll tell you, what we all need is more, and I love how you use the term soldier. That really caught my ear. There's something about a soldier we would never do. We would never, well, actually in some parts of the world they do that, do, do this. We would never choose to put an AK-47 in the hands of a six-year-old and tell them, okay, now you're a soldier, go to war. What we do, I'm not a big war guy, I'm not a fan of war, so I'm probably going to butcher this, but we train them. We put them in situations where they know how to take care of themselves. We put them in situations so that they know how to react in the moment. There's training that needs to be done. And the training that we need to be doing when it comes to God and, and comes to our faith is we need to be in the Word. That means we need to be reading His Word, His Bible. It's this gift that we have that's available to us. And I'm going to talk a little bit more real quick about how we can read the Word. But we need to be in the Word. We need to be in prayer. We need to be talking to the Father. Here's, when we look at Jesus' reaction... I think he's a little bit frustrated that people are just treating him like Joe Smith. He's the son of God. I think he's a little frustrated by that. But then I think he's also a little frustrated by the people who just want him to turn more water into wine. They want more tricks from him. What are you going to do next, Jesus? You know that, have you ever seen that uh, kid show, The Incredibles? You know the little kid on his three-wheeler? He's just sitting looking at Mr. Incredible. He's like, what do you want? He says, I don't know, something awesome. Like, just do something cool. I want to see you do the miraculous. And Jesus wants more than either of those things from us. He wants 
to be in relationship with you. He wants to be your father. He wants to be the one that celebrates when everything's going great. He wants to be the one who comforts when things are going all the heck. He wants to be in relationship with you. He doesn't want to be the phone a friend when you're in trouble. He wants to be the last call at night and the first call every morning. He wants to be on your mind. He wants to be in your heart. He wants to be your wants to be in relationship with you. And the way we can do that is to read his word, dig into his word. And we can be in prayer and we can be in fellowship. That's why this is good for us. Is we can hear the word or we can we can even when we're having coffee, we can talk and be encouraged by each other, built up. Uh, I don't know if it was here or on Sunday, we were talking about that word encourage. It literally means to give courage. This world is hard. We need courage. We need to build each other up. And that's a part of it as well. Let me go back and finish with this. In fact, I'll invite the worship team to come back up. When it comes to reading the Bible, here's, here's the, the tip, hot tip I want to give you. Um, sometimes I hear stories of people saying, you know what, God, show me a verse. And we open the, open the Bible and there's, there's a good verse. The truth of the matter is they're all good verses. It's God's word for us. So don't be surprised if you do the random pop open the Bible and it's something good and it's something good for you. But the way the word of God was meant to be taken in is as an entirety, as a whole. Okay? One thing we do here is we teach Jesus. We teach Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over and over and beat you over the head with it. We want you to know who he is. But what's actually really good for you, and it, you don't need to read it from cover to cover, but that's, that's a pretty good way of doing it. Start Genesis, go right to Revelation. But don't leave out parts, because if you leave out parts in Genesis, you, you lose sight that he is the creator, that he started it all. He's the beginning. He's the alpha. And then if you, if you don't, if you avoid revelation because it's confusing or weird, because it is weird, I'll tell you, you lose sight of the fact that he's the omega. He's the end. He's already got it figured out. He is sovereign. He, he's got things in control. We need the whole counsel of God. We need the whole word of God. And so when you read, and I'm not saying if you read, I'm saying when you read, I, I can't encourage you enough Dig into his word and read the whole word. Get familiar with his whole word for you. All right? Uh, again, I'm really thankful you guys for you guys. And we're excited that we get another opportunity to respond in worship to the word. Um, we're going to worship together. And then I'm going to have a couple practical things to say to you at just the end. So let's stand together and let's worship together. Thank you for joining us for Saturday Night Life. If you want to learn more about this ministry, or if you just want to talk to somebody about what you've heard on this podcast, please email us at snl at nrchurch.ca. We'd love to get to know you better. Until then, be safe and be blessed.